So the way I look at it is you have all of these cards stacked against you. Why sort of waste your time emotionally and financially trying to go after something you'll never have? So it's like you're playing a rigged game. So why even play? That's the way I've looked at it. We are rolling. Uh, Patek, you're on the line. Cool. How you doing, my man? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, this is a good opportunity, I think, to share my experience and some of the knowledge I've accrued over the past decade or so. I think we're going to be talking a little bit about inceldom, if I've got that term correct, and specifically the, uh, the idea of the race pill. Yes. Well, I, uh, I want to hear all about it in your uh, perspective, Rex and Patek. It has uh, sort of a ring to it. Uh-huh. I, I wonder if we could start by um, hearing a little bit about who you are. Could you tell us uh, just a bit of your backstory? Yeah, so I guess I would just consider myself a regular average like 20-something-year-old guy. Um, I live in the Southern California area in the United States, um, and I'd say I do pretty well for myself, and I guess I'm a bit of an anomaly in a sense, and I'm able to, by that, have a lot of different life experiences that most people wouldn't have. Um, and yeah, I've just, I've sort of got into sort of realizing more about myself and learning about incels and stuff over the past uh, five years or so. Um, and I've just sort of just trying to learn more about how humans work, um, and how we sort of see each other. Are you, uh, involved in tech, uh, being in California or, uh, what, 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 uh, generally speaking, what, what do you do for a living? Yeah, I'm involved in finance. So I have sort of a fund that I've been managing and growing and it's done pretty well. You mentioned uh, in in brief correspondence we had with each other that, uh, and you just alluded to it. Now you do pretty well for yourself. I can you unfold that a little bit for us? Yeah, and by and the way I sort of frame as do well for myself is in the sort of upper echelons of earners, so in the million plus annual income range. That's sort of how I'd categorize that. But in every other sense, I'm consider myself just a, a, another person. Well, it sounds um, kind of lonely up at the top. Um, I guess that that is that that's true in a sense. I mean, you do have people that try to be that like to be around you because you've had the success, and they hopefully want they aspire to be successful in that sense. But you have other areas of your life that are just abysmal and worse than people who earn a thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, life is not all about making money, I guess, is it? Um, I guess for me, it's a good, it's a good cope. That's how I've coped my my whole life mm-hmm. is by trying to make money. So, are you are you employed, or are you self employed, or are you uh, man, you know, hedge fund manager, or something like that? Um, what is your inc- how do you, how do you earn that sweet uh, income? Yeah, so I am self employed. Um, I. Um, Going back around, going back several years, I had started some other tech businesses, which generated a lot of cash flow for myself, which 
I decided to put together and sort of have a fund and take on LPs, limited partners who would put money into this fund. So yes, to answer your question, I am self-employed and there's really no way to make this type of income um, at a young age unless you are doing something on your own. Right. Okay. I mean, you sound like quite a catch. Yeah, I'm hearing uh, about entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, um, but, you know, I think we're talking around the subject of, of loneliness, or I don't know if the term love shy um, resonates with you. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think a large part of our chat is going to be about race and ethnicity. So can you, can you hit that note for us? Yes. So I am South Asian or Indian American. Um, and I think growing up that sort of, I mean, you're in general, Indian and South Asians are a very small percentage of the population in the United States. So you'll always be, I mean, it's harder to find people like you because there's so few of you um, living in the U S. So, I mean, you grow up and you have sort of these different experiences then, and you're sort of categorized differently than like an African-American or a Latino person. Um, you're a bit more, I guess people don't really understand you as, as well. Okay. So, um, well then a couple of points I'm just wanting to hit off. So while I and listeners have a sense of who Patek uh, is, um, have you ever had love? Uh, am I to understand that you're involuntarily celibate and in fact a virgin? Yes, that's correct. Okay. All right. And 20 plus uh, yeah, something years old. Right. And so, um, close encounters with previous intimacy. I mean, ever, uh, I guess I hear, what do I hear? A little vibration. Is that the phone going off or something? Uh, sorry. That might be from the, the road. Um, that's all right. Not to worry. Yeah, but no, not nothing. I, I, uh, I wanted to say maybe it's a date coming through, but I hope, uh, you don't mind me, um, just bring a bit of levity to this, uh, tough conversation. Yeah. E- a, a date coming through? What do you mean? By that? Well, I I didn't I didn't know if you're getting a text from uh, oh you know, if you're on no Bumble or Bumble or something like that. No, 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 no. those those don't work. Those don't really work too well. No, have you made uh, attempts? I'm wondering about prior uh, attempts and you know any minor successes with intimacy. Um, so the way I look at it is, you have all of these cards stacked against you. Why sort of waste your time emotionally and financially trying to go after something you'll never have so it's like you're playing a rigged game so why even play that's the way i've looked at it Mm -hmm. i mean a lot of people tuning in might agree you know it seems like a a rigged game from an economical Mm -hmm. point of view but you seem to have done quite well in um you know negotiating the the economy um but I guess your, you know, everyone has their own plight, and yours is um, finding intimacy. Yeah, I, I don't think that really extends to the dating market at all whatsoever. Like it has zero, zero impact and correlation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of a term that I've read, um, hi, uh, but it's escaping me. Hyper. What is it? What is the term that describes women who are sort of seeking hypergamy? Yeah, thank you. Hypergamy. Could you explain that? And, and maybe we can talk a little bit about other lingo in the... Sure. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. So uh, hypergamy is generally the idea that women 
will not date on their sort of their status and their looks level. They will always only date above. Um, so like if a woman is a five, she won't date a five and objective five, she would be going after like a seven or eight and easily be able to get that, um, because of, um, the dynamics that exist in the, the dating market. Mm-hmm. It's like this idea of mating up. Um, yes. Yeah. Right. So, and, um, and is that, is that something that resonates with you? Do you, is that related to the idea of dating apps in your mind? Um, I think dating apps are, are there. I mean, dating apps are just focused completely on looks and nothing else. Um, and when I talk about looks, I mean, it's, it's everything. It's like your race, um, your height, your phenotype. Um, and then maybe some subtleties within that, um, and really, there's really nothing else that comes out. Like, it's very hard to interpret someone's financial status or social circle status or anything else through the dating app. Mm-hmm. I've heard of uh, this idea of looks maxing, which is one segment of uh, folks in the incel community. Um, although there doesn't seem to be a a uh, you know as a, a cohesive ideology about incels there's just many different branches it seems and um, before we get into speaking about what you're interested in this idea of race pill I think we have to shed a bit of light on people that aren't familiar at all including myself on uh, some of these different uh, ways of understanding this phenomenon. Can you shed light on these different colored pills that I've read about and that other people have spoken about in the incel world? Yeah. So there's, there's sort of a few main things. There's like the face pill, the hype pill. Um, and then there's like the race pill. Um, and generally these are sort of different pills that you, you take. So if you're like, if you're, if you're a shorter guy, um, you have succumbed to the height pill. Um, and that's what's holding you back from um, being cons- being competitive in the dating market, and like, and then you have like your race pill. If you're Asian, then you're you're gonna find a very hard time competing in the dating market with white males and black males. Um, and then there's sort of your like the face pill, where if you have an unattractive face, that's what's holding you back. Hmm. And have I read about uh, blue pills and red pills? Is this something that you're familiar with at all? Yeah, so there's, um, I'm most familiar with sort of the black pill, um, which is, it sort of encompasses many ideas like looks matter a lot and hypergamy and um, it's sort of a lot of these different concepts. Um, And that's the most popular, I'd say, in sort of these incel communities. Right. So is it fair to say the idea of race pill uh, is, is that a, a subset of the black pill or? Yes. Yeah. That's a subset of the black okay. pill. Exactly. All right. So we're getting uh, now into the specifics. Um, mm-hmm. So help, help folks understand then your view on the race pill. What does it mean to you? Yeah. To me, it's just, it's more of, like you're born at a disadvantage similar to like the height pill if you're if your height is capped at 54 as a male you're i mean it's you're going to have a tremendously hard time in the dating market and in the race pill if you're born an asian and live in a western country you're severely handicapped and disadvantaged in the dating market hmm 
And is there any other of these pills that resonate with you or is race pill the most uh, appropriate in describing your plight? Yeah, I'd say race pill. I mean, facially, I'd say I'm, I'm average and I've had many people in the looks maxing communities analyze my face and it's been around average and height pill. I'm above average height, so it doesn't apply to me. So the face pill, not so much, but the race pill, uh, without question in your mind is, is the biggest barrier for you finding love. Exactly. Or not even just love. I, I wouldn't even say love. I just see being found as attractive in this dating competition. Hmm. So what is the difference between love and intimacy in your mind? Um, I think they go hand to hand, but I think the, the, the main idea is that you are desired by someone like someone wants you for who you are then rather like rather than what you can provide for them. Hmm. And because in your case, obviously you're able to provide right. a great deal for any, right. a, any potential suitor. Yes. But, but, but for you now, I, I mean, you're, you're a bit vague about, uh, where, where was it that you were born? Were you born in the U S or did you uh, immigrate at some point? Yeah, I was born, I was born in the U S. Um, and I was I was born in a very a, a fairly diverse area, um, so it was not like I was born in Mississippi or somewhere like that. Right. And so your uh, and do you mind describing? I mean, is is the color of your skin a, a factor here? Um, I'd say that's where it gets sort of interesting. I wouldn't say the color of the skin. I'd say more the phenotype. Um, like there's a very distinct. Um, sort of South Asian phenotype. There's a very distinct East Asian phenotype. And I think that matters a lot more than skin color. I don't think skin color really matters at all. I think it's entirely your phenotype that matters. Just unfold. What is phenotype in your mind? Yeah. So phenotype is uh, there's different facial features that work together that make you look like you're part of a certain ethnic background. Um, and an easy way to identify this is sort of the eye shape of East Asians. It's very distinct to that part of the world and that group of people. Um, and if you're from a certain area of Africa, having larger lips or having a larger nose is very, that's just part of that sort of area of the world um, and that ethnic group. So, okay. So, so if I'm understanding it correctly, it sounds like your um, dilemma comes from the fact that you're sort of a fish out of water in the sense you're, you, you might look a little bit different from the average, say whatever the average American or, or a U.S. Um, resident looks like. And you find yourself within a culture where, you know, that, that look, if you will, um, the optics of your appearance are, are disfavored. Yes, um, okay. that's right. Because if you ostensibly were back, um, you know, in, in where your folks or your grandfolks are from, mm -hmm. if you were uh, if you were um, in a place where you looked um, more alike, mm -hmm. then I guess I guess this plight, you know, th this this phenomenon is sort of a, a an aspect of globalization in a way. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's yeah. You nailed it uh, there, and I think another part of it is. You have all of these sort of stereotypes associated with you based on how you look um, that you don't have where those stereotypes don't exist in the place where you or your ancestors are from. Mm -hmm. So how do you go about, um, well, when did this 
realization occur to you? Like, how is it that you learned the term race pill and when did that happen? Um, I'd say during the beginning of when we sort of went into like this global lockdown, I had a lot of free time and I started going down different rabbit holes on Reddit and I ended up on these different communities and I started learning about all of this different, these different pills and terminology and it sort of just all made sense to me after reading it. It was, I mean, I, 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 I had experience and had these ideas my whole life, but I couldn't really put down any terms or ideologies around it until I ended up on these, these communities. You, you, you sort of found community in a way. Yes. So, and what does your social life look like outside of dating? Have you got friends? Yeah, I have. I have a good group of um, very high status friends um, because generally I like to be around other people who are higher status um, because of where I am in life. I think that's just the best way for me to, it's, I mean, it's easier to make real friends that way. And, and what about family? Uh, yeah, I do. I'm pretty close with my with my family as well. Are they understanding of this um, dilemma as you describe it to me? I don't think they. I don't think they are too aware aware of that. Why not? Um, I think it's something that you experience only when you grow up and and you're sort of an adolescent in uh, a westernized country. Um, it's not really something that I guess existed too much several decades ago in a, different, in a non-Western country. So are you, would you be first generation or second generation? Uh, second generation. And um, do you mind, uh, w- would you mention which, uh, which, I mean, are you comfortable being a little bit more specific about where your folks are from or is that something you'd rather? Yeah, uh, they're from India. So South and the particularly of South India, South India. Okay. So what's your opinion on arranged marriages? Is that part of the discussion in terms of your culture? Um, I think it exists more in, in India itself. And I guess it's not necessarily arranged. It's more of like a matchmaking. Right. Uh, so you'll have someone that finds the guy and the girl and introduces them and see if there's a connection, um, that way and it sort of it involves more of the family um in that sense mm-hmm. and uh being that your family is not aware of the the situation as you're describing it i mean is what's their take on it and what's your opinion of arranged marriage or ma- match match matchmaking yeah i, I, I think, think there's a better term yeah I, th- I think it's a it's definitely it's a good option in finding a good long-term partner in a country in India, for example, where that's very common and people and dating is still, I mean, people still date there, but it's just not as, um, as different than it is in the United States. And I think in my situation, I could never have, or I could never have a relationship through matchmaking just because of, uh, my financial situation. And I would just be uh, I mean, it would, I just couldn't, I couldn't give away or have so much of my accomplishment and what I've created for myself just sort of shared with someone who, um, who I don't know is, is, would be there for the right intentions. Right. So you're, you're more interested. I mean, you're looking for love really, it sounds like, or have you given up on that? To- no, I'm, I'm not looking for love. Um, I, I don't really care about that. Um, I I just like competition, and I would want to be competitive in the dating market. 
Um, and by that, I mean having girls be interested in you. Um, it's it's more. I look at it more of as a game rather than like I'm I'm looking for love or something like that. Right. So. And it's a, yeah. No, I'm interrupting you. Sorry. Finish that thought. Yeah, and it's a game that I haven't been able to compete at, and it just really, really annoyed me because in every other game that I've played in, like business and finance, I've done pretty well at. Hmm. Yeah. And now you found a challenge that sounds like it's entirely outside of your control. Yes. Which must be um, extremely frustrating and isolating. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, we find ourselves at a time when folks are uh, more than ever isolating and, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're just sort of overcoming, hopefully, the um, last leg of COVID-19 and this pandemic, um, which I think has led to a, a great deal of isolation and and in your case, you know, drawing you to uh, to to a sense of community, ironically, around the idea of being lonely and um, unable to participate. Mm-hmm. Yep. But is so? I, I mean, maybe I've phrased the question wrong to you in asking if you're looking for love. Would it be more? Um, well, let me just ask this question then: Do you does it resonate with you at all the term love shy, or is that something that that does not? Uh, apply to you in your mind uh i'd say it's i can't really like i've never been in love per se so it's hard for me to really understand that whole concept in general um i haven't even gotten to the point where there's been a girl interested in me because of who i am as a person or for my looks or anything so that's it's just a very foreign concept for me to understand yeah okay so then is it better to inquire about intimacy then uh, surely, surely, you know, there are, there's a difference, you know, love, yeah. intimacy are not synonymous. So ex- explicate that. Yeah. I think intimacy goes more along the, the lines of looks. Um, if you don't have the looks, you will, you'll, I mean, by not having the looks, you will not be intimate with anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's sort of many different things that you have to cross. And then the way I look is like, after you're intimate with someone, then you can see if there's like this love between both these two people. So, I mean, for you, it does really come down to uh, looks and specifically the idea of the way you look in context of others around you due Mm -hmm. to your heritage. Right. Hmm. There's something here to be said about, you know, the difference between objectivity and subjectivity. I thought it was very telling as you describe, you know, a woman who's like a five, for example. Um, Where do you put yourself on a scale of objective uh, attractiveness? Um, Incorporating. So this is where it gets a bit interesting because objectively, I'd say I'm around, I'm at a seven and I've had many people who have a lot of experience in looks maxing rate me as that, but then you adjust for the race tax, which you subtract a three from that. So if you're a seven, you subtract a three and you're now a four. Wow. Um, objectively. Wow. This is, this is just really fascinating to me. So, and, and, and where this, there's a whole uh, taximony. It sounds like there's a whole yeah. uh, rule book, you know, who, where, where does this rule book come from? Uh, this is just, this just came out of lookism. Um, and 
it just sort of originated from that. I mean, if you on all these different forums, if you post a picture of an Asian male, it's always I mean, most most of them, they're above average, they're like a six or they're five or a seven, but then you subtract the race tax from them. Uh, and it's a minus two or minus three. And then I mean, it's over after that. Right. So seven down three brings you down to yeah. just the average Joe. Yeah. Below average. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, well, if I can pay you a compliment, uh, I, I can't see what you look like. So I, I have to take your word for it. I don't know. I, I trust your opinion, but you sound great. Yeah. I'd say I, I look decent. I'm six foot three. Um, I don't really have any, I'm not, I don't have any deformities or anything like that. I'd look pretty, pretty good aside from the race tax being incorporated into it. Yeah. I'm just thinking from a podcast perspective, I've got this rich, deep voice and to learn that you're only speaking through a laptop a microphone, I'm quite impressed. It sounds like you've got, um, well, you got some pipes over there. I wonder <laughs> anyway. So, um, any other taxes? I mean, this is really interesting. Race tax. I mean, what, what, never heard of that before. Any other little tidbits or anecdotes like that you can share? Yeah, I mean, that also carries over to the height tax. Um, you can have a great face, but um, if you're five foot four, then you can take three points away from that um, because it sort of it, deter it takes away from your entire objective attractiveness. Right. So there's a whole hierarchy to be said here. I mean, you could, uh, in theory, be docked three points for your race, three points for your height. And in, in theory, you could be well below zero. Yeah, it can be. Well, that's the point where it never began to say. That's sort of the saying um, in these communities. If you're, if you're short and you're Asian, it never began. What is that uh, phrase that you're saying? Yeah, so the idea of it never began means like you never had a chance even to compete in the first place. Like the, the, the race never even started for you because it never existed. Wow. So, I mean, again, reaffirming this idea that, you know, your, your life is sort of outside of your control. And, um, I mean, there's really no point to living if, if, it, if life really just, in, in, your, in air quotes here, it never began. I'd say I'd, I'd, I'd detract from that in the point that not worth. I think it's definitely worth living and enjoying. I'd say more romantically and finding, um, and like female attraction, I'd say in, in that terms, it never began and the rest of your life. You can have a very fulfilling life outside of that. Right. Okay. And would you describe, uh, your life as fulfilling aside yes. from this? Yeah. How so? Um, I mean, just the things that I'm able to do and the freedom that I have, um, I wouldn't trade for, for anything else. It's just being able to wake up and being able to do whatever you want, go wherever you want, and not having any sort of worry about any, anything really. It's, it's, a very, it's very comforting. Um, and it makes you sort of excited for every day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, back to this idea of love, it sounds like you, you sort of have a love for money or making, uh, yeah, I being do. successful and I think that winning. Yes. And I think that sort of stemmed out of not being able to be competitive in the dating market. That sort of made funneled a lot of energy towards this. I, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make sense of this idea of objectivity and subjectivity. And we were putting, you know, looks on a scale and, um, 
you know, I want to talk about the the subjectivity of of you know romance, intimacy, love. But before we do that, is there any other point to be said about the objective objectivity of it? I mean, it seems like there's an endless, an infinite amount of different uh, types of pills and categories of inceldom and um, you know diff, you know uh, categories of points that can be awarded or or docked for for whatever attributes uh, one has. Uh, what more can yeah one thing i'd just like to add is that i mean there's the idea of people saying that looks are subjective but they're in fact they are not like as as a human we're able to vary and within half a second be able to determine if someone's unattractive or attractive based on their face in half a second Mm -hmm. um, which is pretty incredible if you think about it and then and then you can't really say that looks are subjective when we're sort of hardwired genetically to be looking for people that are good mates who can create or good genetic material to produce offspring with. I mean, I, I take your point. Certainly, you know, there are, there is some level of objectivity with beauty. I mean, the idea of symmetry, for example, is a universal principle. I, I appreciate that point, but earlier we sort of established that your plight is situational in that, you know, if you had been um, in uh, South Asia, you know, this this discussion would would look very different. Right. It appears as though there is a subjective element. And um, and, you know, depending on where you are in the world uh, and, and, and the context that surrounds you, you know, that would be a, a main factor in determining what what success might look like. Yeah, yeah. D- agree. I agree. Completely depends on where you are location-wise. And there's this whole other concept of being a location cell that you're an incel because of your location, that if you're a very unattractive white male, you should just go to Southeast Asia because you're considered attractive there and your location is what's holding you back. Mm-hmm. What can I hear? Are you playing with a, um, are you playing, uh, with a Rubik's Cube or something over there? Yeah, I just fidget around with things sometimes. How would you describe your nerves at the moment? Is this uncomfortable at all talking about your personal situation? No, I think it's good. Um, I think you, I've always been wanting to share my ideas on this with someone. So I think it's good that I'm finally just getting this out. Yeah. Maybe we can just give context to folks listening, how it is that uh, you and I became acquainted. Yeah. um, You had posted something. I'm, I've sort of taken, spent less time on different lookism and incel communities on Reddit, but I do check them now and then. And I saw you had left a post about looking for someone to join your podcast. And I thought that was a great opportunity for me to share my experiences and my, my learnings. And that rich, deep voice of yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad uh, you did. And I'm glad you're here. And um, people that are, you know, still listening in are also keen on knowing all about it. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I'm wondering about, you know, attempts that you have made. I mean, what successes can you, I mean, surely you're not, uh, you know, a failure in every, in every aspect, um, intimacy, love, romance, whatever you want to call it. Um, that, that's something that you are struggling with at the moment and per- ostensibly hoping to overcome one day or am i wrong have you sort of succumbed to this realization that you'll never be able to find love 
or intimacy or romance or have sex? Yeah, I mean, so I've, I had, I think I had asked out a girl once in high school and she said no. And that sort of, um, I don't know, I just sort of decided like, I, I don't want to waste my time doing this because I know if I keep at it, it's just going to be, it's just like, there's no points even to trying. So why waste my time on this when I can be productive doing something else? Um, I mean, I have used dating apps and I have, I've gotten matches and I have talked to, to people on that. It's just, um, I don't know. I just, I don't really, the, the girls have so many options on dating apps. It's, it's like, why, why waste, why are they wasting their time talking to me when they can talk to someone else who's much better looking? Can you tell us everything about the story of you asking this person out? Yeah. So I had went to prom with this person in high school and I had asked them out sometime after that. And they had like, they had said that they weren't like interested in the relationship or something, which obviously is a cop out um, because if they're, if they are attracted to you, then they would go out with you. And then I think that experience was sort of, made me let me decide that this is i'm just going to end up wasting a lot of time trying to do this i should just find something productive to do instead like make money yeah so could it be said that you've kind of put this uh, i mean i'd like to suggest that uh, you know being intimate is is a skill set what, what do I hear over there? Now you're getting, now there's a message coming in. Are you, are you doing a second? Are you arranging a second podcast while we chat? Is <laughs> no. this a new career for you, Patek? No, sorry. I just have, if, if you hear that once or twice, or it's just something urgent that I had to respond to immediately. I wonder if you're playing me uh, at the moment, Patek. It sounds, I wonder if you've got a vivacious love life over there and you're just having me on. <laughs> I wish I, I wish that was the case, but it's not. <laughs> You're just, uh, there's just all sorts of wire transfers coming in from your clientele. Coming in, yeah. That's the best. That's, speaking of that, that's actually what gets me, that's sort of the most intoxicating thing for me. I think more than even being attracted to a girl is seeing wire transfers hit my account. That's what's, that's what turns you on. Yes. Yep. Yeah, but I, I can't help but wonder. I, I think, you know, it seems like intimacy is, uh, or being able to be vulnerable is a skill set. And uh, and am I wrong in observing that you've kind of put that to the side and rather focused your energy elsewhere, building a, building capital? Yeah, I do think I do think that is a bit wrong. I think if you're attractive, you're sort of trained, and that experience just comes to you. Like you don't have to go out and learn it; it just sort of happens. Uh, your entire life and if you, that doesn't happen you're sort of like i mean you can try learning it but there's really no point you're still your still looks are still going to hold you back like learning this is i mean i can talk to girls i can i can hold a, a conversation and everything it's not i'm not like socially disabled in any way it's more the the looks and everyone has this looks barrier that they have to get over to that they have to get over and that just doesn't happen for certain type of people. I, I want to sort of challenge you on something here though. I, I, uh, if that's okay, I, I hear that, sure. 
you know, you're you're describing this uh, one instance of asking um, a suitor out. Uh, I guess this. How did you come to go to prom with each other? Um, it was through our friend group. Um, we were just all mutual friends. And it was like just established that you and she would would go together, or yeah. she asked you, or yeah. what? No, it was just sort of established. Like we had a group friend group of girls and guys, and she didn't have anyone to go with. So they're like, "Why don't you ask her?" So I did. So you asked her and she said yes. Yeah, but I think, I mean, that's at prom and those sort of social events at school, I don't really, those don't, don't really count as a try. It's more of just like a friend type thing. Like you're going because you're friends and this is like a social activity at school. Hmm. And so you sought to escalate that a little bit. Um, yes. Which resulted in her copping out. Yes. Well, this is what I, I find really interesting because, you know, I'm hearing from you a lot of uh, things that seem to be just entirely outside of your control. When I ask about, you know, your situation, your plight, you describe, you know, um, phenotype, race, being born at a, at, at a, uh, at a place, um, you know, all things of which are entirely outside of your control. And um, I mean, just to play devil's advocate, people listening in might suggest that in itself is a cop out on, on your part, because there are things arguably that could be within your control. Um, and so I guess I want to unfold and make sense a little bit about this belief system that you have around, you know, your ethnicity and, and it being the most detrimental factor of, of, mm-hmm. you know, is it, is, do you make room for the possibility that one day you could find a satisfactory relationship? Um, I, 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 I guess so. I mean, but I think at that point people would be interested for the wrong reasons. Mm. Um, like it's really hard for me even at this point to discern whether people would be, whether a female would be interested in me because of who I am and how I look or because of what I have um, and sort of the status that comes with that um, because my lifestyle in general is very um, it's very up there like the spending all of that are um, you one of these Instagram uh, folks who like to po- you know um, show showcase their wealth uh, that's one thing I don't do um, I just don't like the attention from I, I, feel, I, f- I feel like you'd be getting all sorts of uh, attention uh, from the opposite sex if you were doing that, perhaps. Yeah, but that, I guess for all the wrong reasons, you'd be getting that attention. Yeah, I guess that ties into the idea of dating up like we spoke about just a couple of minutes ago. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So um, so I, so there is room for the possibility for you, but you're just at this moment not convinced. Yes, well, if there is um, a possibility that you could find a relationship that's you know genuine and and uh, one that provides you joy and satisfaction and that's mutually you know agree- agreeable, what would be the first step in your mind going about achieving that? Assuming that it's it's a uh, it's a game, mm-hmm. uh, as you mentioned earlier, like making money. What, what would be the first step? Yeah, so I'd try playing the game where I have the greatest advantage. And that would definitely not be on dating apps. It would be through um, my social circle and having friends, 
maybe meeting someone at an event with my friends or through an introduction to someone um, or some way organically like that. It wouldn't be somewhere where the op- where the where where I'm in a much more competitive environment, um, like on a dating app. Which, just out of curiosity, do you remember the subreddit that we met? Uh, I think it was Incel Exit. Right, and explain that. What is Incel Exit? Yeah, so that's. Um, I'd say it's a pretty good community. It's a community of people who are struggling with um, their their love life or finding um, or being attractive, and they're trying to find answers and help to improve themselves. Um, and I guess some of them is also a good um, amount of discussion on different concepts, but it doesn't get toxic, which, which is what's happened to a lot of other groups and why they've been banned off of Reddit is they just go off on these really crazy ideas. Um, and they're just, um, they're, they're just insane. And then they, they get banned, but this group is, very, very much grounded in the real world and people are trying to improve themselves. So in your mind, are, are there other uh, subreddit groups that resonate with you or do you find that one in, in you know, r slash incel exit the, the most compelling? Yeah, that's, um, it's the most, uh, it's the least toxic. And I think in, when you're trying to improve yourself, you have to be around people that are trying to build you up and not just tear you down for this, these tiny things that don't really matter. Yeah. There's a paradox that I'm struggling with that maybe you can help make sense of. And that's, you know, describing this sense of isolation in which you turn to Reddit and get involved in a community that welcomes you mm-hmm. ir- ironically based on the fact that you're unable to find love mm-hmm. and the way that that, is celebrated is through cutting you down through numbers, you know, race taxing you, et cetera. How do you make sense of that? The sense of belonging while at the same time cutting you down? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's, it's super important to be aware of your disadvantages and your advantages. Um, like telling someone who's five foot four to start just cold approaching girls, that's just not going to do him any good. That's just going to hurt his ego and, his view on himself and the world and it's just going to, it's just not, not going to be good being aware of what is holding you back and things that, I mean, things that can be changed um, is I think that's the most, that's the best thing that you can do is sort of just being self-aware. Would you describe yourself as uh, self-aware? Yeah, I'd say I'm very, very self-aware. And how would you describe your ego? Um, I have a pretty big ego. Um, about myself, not like, I mean, there's, I'd say there's different ways you can look at ego. It's like, do you think that you're like this? I'd, I'd, I'd like, I mean, there's an ego around males and there's an ego around females. I'd say I have an ego around males, but I really, when it comes to females, I don't have any sort of, I don't feel I'm like deserving of, of them in a sense. And um, you're her. certain you're certain that's because of race. Yes. Well, could I just suggest, is it po- likely or possible that in fact, the reason you're maybe feeling a bit cowardice around women is not because of race, but because of how far behind you might feel as a result of prioritizing money making, as opposed to 
prioritizing, you know, this, whatever the skill set might be that involves being intimate and being vulnerable? Um, I'd say it just goes back to the self-awareness, um, being that girls are not attracted to people who are Asian or South Asian. So just off which, the bat. which, which girls, because if we were in South Asia, that would be different, right? Yeah. And in, in the, in a Western society in the United States. Right. Okay. So then, um, you know, focusing on things that are within your control, surely you must have thought about, you know, leveraging your wealth to travel to a place where you could uh, at least at least engage in the most explicit form of intimacy, which is sex. Um, yeah, but that's really not something that I mean. For a lot of incels, that's like they've never had sex, and that it's like they feel like this is something that they need to do to feel normal. Um, and that's what society has made people feel. Um, but for me, that I don't really, I don't agree with that. Um, I mean, after, if you talk to any, any sort of incel who has had sex and is no longer an incel, it's like, there's, it's a big letdown. Like there's nothing magical that happened. There's nothing really that has changed their life in any way. Um, and for me, like going to another country, like it just doesn't really make any sense for me. Right. But you do make room for the uh, possibility or even likelihood that you could, I mean, mecha- I mean, you could have sex uh, yeah. today if you wanted. Yeah, if I wanted. Um, and I think anyone could if they, if they really wanted to. Right. But for you, you don't want it to because you expect certain conditions to be met. Yes. What are those conditions? Um, I just, I think going to, I, I mean, if, I were to be with someone I'd want to be with a girl who's like educated and intelligent and who looks good and who's sort of what I'd define as like proper. Um, that's sort of the word that I have. Um, mm-hmm. I think going to like a third world country is a sort of, it's sort of sad. I mean, I'm thinking of, uh, I lived for a little while in the Netherlands and I'm thinking of Amsterdam, yeah. um, which is not by any means a third world country, but, um, and you could certainly uh, engage in regulated sex work fairly, yeah. uh, you know, or, or receive sex work fairly safely. But I guess that doesn't resolve the the issue at hand, which is that you want it to be genuine, you want it to be authentic, right. which is really what intimate, you know, ties ties very closely with what intimacy is, at least in my mind. Right. Yep. But again, these uh, these prescriptive rules which make sense to me what you're describing are 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 relative are they not i mean for you to say that they ought to look good um that that's relative according to to what i mean what does it mean to look good in your mind um or or what what are you seeking in a mate yeah it's um looks i i mean for our in the west are fairly objective so uh i like to 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 be with someone who's above average in looks, so above a five at least in looks level. Um, and then the other parts like being smart or being an intelligent, that's that sort of, that just comes down to their personality and their drive. Um, that's something unique to each person. I mean, I, I, I like what I'm hearing about, you know, smart, intelligence. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, those are important attributes that are, uh, again, um, somewhat subjective in my view and and relative, although I guess you could make the case for IQ tests and that sort of thing to test intelligence. But um, I guess I just have a hard time 
qualifying what you mean by, you know, a woman on a scale of five, because my sense, I mean, sure, there are some objective level of beauty. I, I, I get that. But deep down, I mean, if I go to Le Louvre in France and I look at the Mona, Mona Lisa, which doesn't really tickle my fancy, um, and I rate that on a, you know, on a four out of 10, others can look at it and just be uh, baffled and put it on a, uh, you know, off the, off the scale, an 11 out of 10. So there, there's some relativity, you know, is it not true that uh, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder? Um, that's interesting. There's, there's a lot of nuance to that. Um, but I'd say overall there's, there's a, there's a, I mean, there's a tiny bit of subjectivity to, to attractiveness. Um, I mean, it also depends on like the age range. Like if you're in your twenties and you're looking for other people in your twenties, um, those people who are rating, um, in that, in that age bracket will be pretty close, um, in terms of a number rating. Um, like if you're a 20 year old trying to rate a 70 year old, the numbers are going to be a bit skewed. Um, so the way I look at it is if me and a bunch of other 20 year olds are rating another 20 year old woman, the, the ratings are all going to be fairly similar to each other. Right. So on an aggregate, you're able to sort of, uh, distill yes. down some basic average. Yeah. Right. Okay. But at the end of the day and, you know, not to be, not to I mean, how shall I say? I don't want to be objectifying here, but to play devil's advocate, uh, you know, guys often describe being a, a, a boob or an ass man. So objectively, can you say you're one or the other? Um, I don't think so. No. No. Okay. That doesn't really interest me as, as much. I'm more interested in like facial aesthetics. Um, and I think most people, most people subconsciously also look for that, whether they say it or they don't. Well, my question might be a bit crude then uh, by comparison to the nuanced view you take at, at, uh, at rating, you know, facial features. So what are, what are the features that you find most attractive or what do you seek in a mate in terms of, in terms of facial features? Yeah. So I think particularly in women having, being lean, so having a lean face, being tall. So for women like five, seven to five, nine, that sort of height range and having high cheekbones, having a good jaw and chin um, and having a good eye area, like a, a neutral eye area, neutral canthal tilt. Um, those components, I think, in, in aggregate make for a very attractive person. Wow. I mean, if only you could just customize the ideal bride off of a software from from the computer to, you know, program exactly what it is that you're looking yeah. for, then, then you could finally be happy. Yeah. It, it sounds like you're pretty specific. Um, I think most people who are attractive have all of those things. So it's like, if you're, it's, if it's more of a question, if you're attractive or not. Well, yeah. But again, what is attractive? I, uh, you know, I think if I talk to a friend and he says he, you know, really loves lips, for example, and I talk to another friend, he says, I just, I, I have this thing for uh, the collarbone. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it still fundamentally comes down to, well, what is it within you that drives that, um, that desire? Yeah. Um, and on a larger level, I'd say it's like, there's this term in lookism called facial harmony. Um, like there's no one single feature that 
will make someone attractive. It's the sort of the way they all work together. Like you can have an amazing jawline, but if your eye area is really horrible, you're not going to be considered attractive um, by, right. by most people. So, um, yeah, really interesting. I, I mean, it sounds like to distill down to the core issues for you, I mean, it has to do a, a, a great deal with, um, with the, with, with, well, ethnicity and, and accordingly if someone looks, mm-hmm. but then, you know, also the idea of uh, intelligence and being smart. Um, it's a lot to ask for. Is it? I think so. I mean, finding someone like that is who would be mutually interested in you is very, I think very hard to come by. Well, um, I mean, some could say you've just got high standards. Yeah, it is. I'd say that it is pretty high standards considering where I would put myself, where I would be in the dating market. It's it's pretty high. Yeah. Yeah, and considering, you know, that you're a virgin and mm-hmm. that you want this, you know, first um, attempt yeah. to be sort of I- ideal, mm-hmm. uh, it, it sounds like, you know, you're not willing to compromise in, in, in uh, lowering those expectations at all. Yeah, and I mean, the reason for that would be um, it'd feel like I have failed in a sense. Um because I've always wanted to go for the the best and not being able to get that would feel like, I feel like I've failed. Yeah. Well, I, I just can't help but wonder if you were, if you were amenable to compromising some of those things, some of those um, attributes or qualities that you've um, decided upon, you know, what, what is the trade-off? Um, is it not possible that you could find someone that, you know, at least it would open the oper- the the door up to to engaging. It would widen the pool, so to speak, of people that you'd be at least amenable to having a conversation with, and thereby learn of their intelligence and get to know uh, what it's like to relate with the opposite sex. I think that's where hypergamy comes to play. So even if I were, even if I were to go for girls who are lower in all of those qualities, they would always date up. So even if they are like a three or a four, they would be able to get a guy who's like a six or a seven. Well, can you describe a little bit more about this sense of toxicity that you alluded to in the, in the community and in the subreddit groups specifically? Are there other groups that you're affiliated with or how else do you engage with uh, incel folks? Yeah, um, I'd say I've gotten more into this because of lookism, not necessarily because of the insult side of it. Um, like the, I'm, I, I read this website called looks max. Um, and it's just more about ratings. Like people will post different pictures of people and they'll rate them and critique their looks. Um, and I just read that just because I'm curious. Um, but I'd say that community is fairly toxic in the sense that if you post a picture of yourself, people will just go on on just like destroy you completely for for no real reason other than for them to feel better about themselves. Um, and they'll critique things so dramatically and, and like they don't really matter that much um, just so they can feel better about themselves. Right. So there's sort of this community based on tearing one another down. Yeah. Yeah, I I see that. Um, I see this paradox, you know, that is people feeling a sense of belonging based on affirmations of their ugliness. 
Yeah, I mean, not even just ugliness. Um, I just say, I mean, a lot of most of the people that post look average or above average, but I don't know. There's just something that people like to tear other people down there so they can feel better. Um, yeah. It's kind of weird. So, and, and your, your, um, you know, you described coming on here, speaking on a podcast in terms of it being an opportunity. Um, this is not something that you've done before. What other, um, things I, I wonder might you be receptive to trying? I mean, do you see any value in having a conversation with people close to you that you can trust about this dilemma as you see it? Um, I mean, some of my friends in real life, I have sort of blackpilled them in a sense about looks and how much all of that matters. And now they're very conscious about um, their interactions with women and how all of their, how all of that comes into play. Um, so it is interesting to, to see that, um, I mean, I think it's good in general for everyone to be self-aware on where they stand in life and in looks and in everything. Um, and that's sort of something that I like to share and I like people to be sort of just self-aware about themselves. Well, you strike me as someone who's, um, well, you know, articulate and, and insightful and self-aware, um, I think we're all sort of moving towards this pyramid. If you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, this idea of self-actualization up at the top of the pyramid. And, um, you know, they say sex is a basic tenant uh, or a basic need that's near to the lower, um, the lower echelons, if you will, of that pyramid. Um, there's a few directions I want to take this conversation. Let's talk about sex for a second now, as someone who's involuntarily celibate, what's your opinion of pornography and how do you sort of maneuver um, having a sexual outlet if it is indeed a, a basic and fundamental need of being human? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's just in general it's bad for for society in general. It just forces people to not have to uh, be social or interact with people and it just creates an addiction something that's just it's just not it's not beneficial for you um and it skews the way that you look at women and look at the world um and it's it's very i think i'd say it's very disabling um for people um and in terms of sex being like a a human need i think to to a certain degree that's true um i mean if you are I, I'm Christian, so I don't. I would only have. I'd prefer to have sex when I'm married rather than having um, sex outside of marriage. So I mean, there there are a lot of people who don't have the need for sex for most of their a large part of their life. Um, and I'd say society has sort of blown out this concept that everyone needs to have sex and sleep with everyone. And it's it's not been. It's been more it's done more harm than it's done good for people. Yeah. I mean, there's, I, I take that point as well, that there's this sort of, um, some could say loose morality. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the invention of, um, birth control and, um, you know, uh, contraceptives and, um, you know, there's so many factors that's allowed for people to, to sort of, um, inconsequentially go out and, 
and um, and and mate, uh, or you know maybe that's not a good term, but have sex basically. Um, and so yeah, I, I hear that there's a sort of a higher moral standard as a result of religion for you. Mm-hmm. But I I wonder then to play devil's advocate, there's you know clearly a um, a biological aspect i mean to being a man and um well whatever that means that's that's a loaded point but um i guess i'm wondering your view on masturbation then or sex with oneself um in context of your christianity yeah i mean in christianity it's it's obviously it's a sin and it's it's not right um and like when people do masturbate they don't feel good afterwards and it just sort of becomes this need that people have and i think in society now to have instant gratification instant pleasure from anything Mm -hmm. not not even just sexual um and that sort of thinking just makes us have makes us pick the wrong things make wrong choices and be very impulsive and not really think through why we're doing what we're doing um and it just it's it just it just the way I look, it just leads one thing leads to another, um, and it just you just sort of deteriorate from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this idea of being uh, you know impulsive and seeking gratification and um, you know comfort uh, do, do not uh, you know it doesn't lend itself to the attributes that arrive from discipline. Yeah, like no one feels good about themselves after they masturbate, right? I don't know anyone who's felt good after doing that, or most people don't even feel good just having a one night stand with someone. Mm -hmm. Um, People from what I've read and watched, people generally feel good after being with someone that, that they desire and that desires them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that we can agree on. I, I, I agree that, you know, everybody's searching for, um, some sort of affirmation. And I think that is mm-hmm. often achieved through, through intimacy and, um, yeah. And folks, you know, might go about doing it for the, for the wrong reasons. I, I'm not so sure. I agree that, you know, everyone feels, um, guilty or shame. Have I lost you, Patek? I can, have I, uh, are you still there with me? Yeah. yeah I'm, still here. Okay, good. I'm just not so sure. I buy this idea that, um, you know, that one ought to or must feel um, disappointed in themselves or shameful or guilty as a result of, um, you know, sex with themselves. And I wonder if that's more tied up in the context of Christianity and, and religion. Yeah. I mean, I don't think people should feel bad about doing it just sort of, they do it and then they feel people don't feel the best about themselves after doing it. Um, and people, I mean, people can do whatever they want. No one's, no one's judge. No one has the right to judge anyone else right. except themselves. So, but I, I, I just have uh, difficulty reconciling this, you know, dilemma. I mean, it seems like that you know the the incel who is um, unable to have any sexual outlet is really setting themselves up for a great deal of frustration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's an untenable situation, I, I would say, uh, you know, to have no sexual outlet, no prospects of having sex with another person 
uh, for you know the variety of reasons that you've mentioned. Yeah, and uh, and then to sort of um, disallow yourself any outlet. I mean, what is the end result here? Yeah, I mean, I mean the end result should be. I mean, it's a bit it's a bit complicated. I'd say um, the end result I'd say for anyone would be to try to get into a long term relationship with someone. Um, but for people who can't um, for for a very long period of time, or even just a short period of time, they will have those urges to to have to to experience those feelings. Um, and I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Um, everyone can do what what they want to do. What do you make of the instances of violence that? Um, you know, the, the media and news stories are being told about, I'm speaking to you from Toronto Mm -hmm. and there's been a, a a big case recently that uh, people are likely aware of and which is front of mind. What do you have to say about this, you know, plight and frustration and the toxicity that you've alluded to in context of people who become violent? Yeah, I think the media has blown those events out of proportion i mean people have different motives for everything i mean do people have motives against their family and some they decide to kill all of them or they don't like something and they decide to kill them because they dislike it but on incels in general i think if you go to any computer science class in any university the vast majority of those students are incels um but those are not the ones portrayed in the media. You just see some crazy person who went um, this isolated event and they went and killed a bunch of people. And it, they just say was, the motive was sexual frustration, but that's not the norm by any means. And that's not most incels. Say most incels and those who struggle romantically are just your average person, someone who's in a computer science class, for example. I'm thinking of... Um... I don't know if this has ever occurred to you or if you're familiar at all, but I took a course one time in war and conflict and there was an interesting um, paper or there was this um, discussion around bonobos, if you're familiar, in comparison to chimpanzees. This is a crude comparison, uh, but the, the idea is that bonobos are highly sexualized. Their community is based on sex and they resolve conflict uh, through sexual activity. Are you familiar with this at all? Uh, a little bit. I've read a little bit. About and where, whereas other types of uh, primates are, um, you know, in a, in a different, they, they, they can be extremely violent and, you know, their, their take on sex is very different. So, you know, I, I you know, we, we can't, um, we don't have time to go into the arguments uh, for or against evolution. But if I can just extrapolate from that idea that, you know, where there's an absence of sex, there's an increase in violence and vice versa, where there's, you know, um, more sex, there's less violence. Um, what is your opinion of that observation? Um, I think if, if that were true, you'd see um, a lot more computer science students being very violent, but that isn't the case. I'd say a lot of it is, I mean, a lot of inseldom is, is it's attributed to people's, it's just attributed to, it's attributed to looks and part of it is social skills. And you can find that, that group of people 
um, in many different settings, but those groups aren't like, violent. Um, so I, I think I, I would disagree with that. Well, I'm trying to find, you know, common ground where it is that you and I emphatically agree. And, um, you know, I think there's there's many areas where we have to respectfully agree to disagree. But I'm I'm mostly uh, interested in, you know, this this dilemma, as you describe it, and finding solutions on on ways to rework this problem. I mean, for, for me, forgive me if I'm overstepping, but it sounds to me like you've kind of dug yourself into a bit of a corner where you've got high standards, which is understandable, but you're not willing to compromise those. If you were willing to compromise them, you don't know where it could lead if you were amenable to adjusting them. And um, meanwhile, you know, the the uh, the the situation as you describe it is all focused or dare I say preoccupied on attributes which are outside of your control. And I wonder if focusing on things that are within your control would lend themselves to, you know, helping you find that romantic um, partnership that you're, I think, after that everybody's after. Yeah, and I think that's that's where the the fly is. Um, we're always going to be limited by things that we can't control. Um, like the things that I can fix would be so marginally, the improvement would be so marginally small that it wouldn't really make a difference. Um, and the areas where that matter the most, I cannot change. For example, and then just as an analogy, if you're if you're five foot four, improving getting a haircut isn't going to help you, but becoming six foot tall would help you a lot. But that's something you cannot control. Right. But if you got a haircut, which is within your control, you know, who's to say how that impacts your affect? How's it to say, I mean, sure, everybody knows what it's like to get there to be fresh and have a fresh lineup. I mean, that does impact your attitude, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But the reception that you'll get from people would, I mean, it just impacts you so marginally thin in the way people um, see you. From if you have a new haircut or you've done something different cosmetically, that it just it doesn't change the it just doesn't change the game in any meaningful way. Yeah, I'm just hearing such an external locus of behavioral control with you, Patek. Um, I, I could suggest anything, I think, and you it would come back to numbers mm-hmm. uh, for you being being the money maker that you are. I guess it's it's it served you. It's it makes sense to um, you know quantify and. And we are living in a world that's highly calculable, Mm -hmm. calculable. but I think what we're talking about here is much more, um, well, it's not tangible. It's much more subjective maybe than you're willing to give it credit for. It seems like, you know, finding love, being intimate, um, you know, um, going about uh, the, the dance of romance are things that really don't lend themselves to numbers. Um, perhaps, but the way I look at it is there's always a looks level of filtering that every person has for someone else. And for, for people like myself, we just cannot pass that. So, I mean, no matter what I try to do, I would still not pass that threshold. Um, and that's sort of just the way I've looked at it. So what do you make... uh of folks who come on the incel exit group that talk about, you know, having been successful and overcoming their, their plight. Yeah. So that's, 
that's where I see as there, there are anomalies, um, there are exceptions, but they're not the rule. So there will always be exceptions. Um, but you shouldn't try to be an exception to, there's just, I mean, it just seems like a vain effort trying to hope to be an anomaly or one of the exceptions to these rules. But haven't you just done that very same thing in terms of your income? Uh, I don't think so. That's something that, um, I mean, your looks and all of these things are abstracted from, I think anyone, if they had the desire to, um, could achieve a high financial status if they had the drive to, because there's nothing inherently holding you back, like your face, your height, none of those things are, are holding you back. So what do you make of the phrase perception is projection? Have you ever heard that before? And what does that mean to you? No, I haven't. Well, I, I would like to suggest that perception is projection, meaning, you know, if you perceive the world as being objective, calculable, and, um, you know, adhering to such rigid rules, um, then that's indeed how you will see the world. And, you know, if you should decide to... Um, put on some other shaded, some other, you know, frame of world, some other glasses, so to speak, uh, which, which isn't easily done. I mean, I'm talking about shifting a worldview here, which is, which is, um, part and parcel, I think of self-actualizing as you alluded to and being, uh, you know, someone who lives an examined life. But, um, the, the principle here is about you know, testing some of the beliefs um, that I'm hearing, you know, that everything is about race, that women are always seeking, you know, to date up. Um, I mean, these are things that I understand you believe. I'm not sure I necessarily uh, ascribe to those um, those beliefs, uh, belief, uh, beliefs. And so I, I wonder if there's something to be said about, you know, challenging some of this thinking that's going on for you. I mean, if it's not, if it's not working for you, is there not, um, some way to go about changing the, the way you perceive the world? Yeah. I mean, everything that I've seen and experienced sort of confirms my beliefs. I mean, a good example for this was I was on Reddit once and there's this quote that someone had said. And the thing was, the question was someone had asked like this girl was, is he cute? And the answer was no, he's Indian. Um, so, I mean, there's just, there's so many different things like that that just sort of confirm my beliefs. Um, and then the things that do break those beliefs are just so anomalous that there's nothing really that you can detract from that to hold as like, Oh, if you do this, then you could change the outcome because they're just so isolated. Yeah. It sounds like that was a very impactful and memorable uh, remark that has stuck with you. Yeah. It was, it was actually one of the highest uploaded posts on this thread or this Reddit. Uh, some, could, some could say it was objectively, you know, um, it was objectively right. Yeah. I mean, it is right. And I think a lot of people resonated with that. That's why so many people had upvoted it because it's sort of like this realization, like I'm not, it's, I'm not just thinking these things. It's actually true. Um, and someone's recognizing them to be true. Earlier in our conversation, you made um, reference to, you know, the idea of being on Reddit and, um, and then you made reference to the idea of real life. And, and I wonder how we can make sense of this obfuscation between 
what is virtual and what is real. <clears throat> yeah, I think in reality, people are a lot, uh, people are a lot, um, they're a lot nicer to each other than they are on the internet. Um, and I, I don't know, I still really don't understand why people are like this, particularly on these lookism forums. Um, but I'm sure if you meet these people in person, they're not who they are online in any way. And the views that are being expressed in these subreddit groups, for example, that, you know, the, the, the reference to, um, Indian, you know, an Indian man not being attractive. Uh, I mean that objectively on Reddit gets upvoted. I mean, people, people do act differently online than they do in real life. So how do you go about testing or challenging some of these unreal virtual things versus, you know, the empirical and actual occurrences of everyday life offline? Um, I mean, it's pretty easy to test if you just go into any social situation. You can see how people, how like females will talk to you and look at you versus someone else. Um, it's like, it's pretty easy to test these sort of things or even just going on Tinder or talking to someone. You just get, it's just it's very obvious. Um, I was actually at a dinner a few days ago and with this Asian guy, he said that he had to go to China um, to find a wife because girls don't like Asian guys. So that's really, that's how bad it is if you're an Asian. Um, it's like not many people are willing to, because it's, it's, it's really hard to, digest that that idea um that if you're asian it's basically over in a western country right and people don't want to have those discussions right because uh for in your specific case you're not looking for another asian woman no asian women also don't want other asian males they want uh white males so there's a what is the hierarchy here in your in your worldview uh, uh who's at the top and who's at the bottom um, yeah, so I'd say we would start with white males at the top, um, by, and then all, and then you have, and then a little way down, you have, um, I'd say Latino males. Um, and then below that you'd have black males and then really far below that you'd have Asian males. Well, I mean, I have to, I have to acknowledge my own, uh, the criticism that's going to be coming my way here because in, indeed the bias and prejudice um, from my worldview is that I am a white male. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy for me to, you know, say all these things, I guess, since I'm, um, out, you know, for no reason within my control, just by virtue uh, of, of how I was born, uh -huh. I, I uh, enjoy, you know, this, this fantastic amount of privilege. Mm -hmm. um, but, that, you know, if I can just table that for a second and put that to the side for a moment uh, and contend with this idea that perception is projection, I, I don't I don't know if I think this is a new concept for you. And I don't think you've um, you're you're um, adopting of it yet. But if you can just play along with me and assuming that it is, um, you know, at least a possibility that that you know, I'm talking about mind over matter here. Mm -hmm. Is it not um, foreseeable that if that is the case, you're able to, you know, adjust your demeanor, that there are sort of an unsaid frequency that's going off? You know, if you walk into a room and, and truly believe that you are the bottom of the barrel, that you're just, you know, unworthy, 
um, that that's going to resonate. And then vice versa being also true that if you walk into the room and actually believe that you have something to offer, that you're worth something, that that would also resonate? Um, I think that would just be setting up yourself for disappointment um, because you could, whatever you, you can project whatever you want, but then at the end of the day, you look the way you are, you still are the way you are. Um, and people will judge you based off of that. Like I can go to a room pretending like I'm the man, but that doesn't really change the way that I look. And I don't think people would be able to get over that. Yeah. That's always going to be there. Sure. I mean, assuming that it's true that looks matter as much as you're suggesting they do. Yes. Um, and my belief is that they matter a lot more than anything else. Yeah. Well, I mean, your heritage, your race, where you're born in the world are things that are not um, something that you can change. They're static and, and, uh, and not changing, but belief systems are something that can change. Right. So in joining Incel Exit and finding it a little bit less toxic than some of the other subreddits, um, or agreeing to come on a podcast and be, you know, put yourself out there, be vulnerable. Um, is this not some, some form of change? I mean, in a way you're sort of testing your own, uh, um, your own, your own way of, of living. I mean, you're, you're trying something new. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll still always hold what I, I mean, the only thing that would, I think, be able to change me is to experience something that goes against what I believe in. Um, and I mean, part of the reason why I, I still look at like intellect is to try to find people who've done something different to break what they believe. And that's reproducible. Um, and that, that reproducible thing is the key. Um, and so far, nothing that I've seen has been really reproducible. Mm -hmm. But how would you find that if you weren't going about looking for it? I mean, if you were, you know, in uh, looks maxing Reddit groups and in you know, mm -hmm. um, types of group groups, I mean, you're, you're more or less uh, affirming the worldview that you've already adopted. Um, I mean, I do try to go and be in settings where I can observe how people look at me and how I mean, how females would look at me. And I mean, nothing has changed my mind about that. So are you open to having your mind changed? Yes. And I hope my mind would be changed. And what would be the first step in going about achieving that? Do you think? Um, so I think I, I have made first steps and I do, I mean, like every weekend I do hang around with different girls who I don't know. Um, and like not, none of those experiences have, and none of those conversations and experiences have changed my mind in any way. But you make, but you continue to do it and make room for the possibility that it could change your mind. Yeah. But at this point I've just like, there's the odds are not in the favor of it working back to that, the numbers game. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it, you know, it's, uh, it seems like, um, you know, it, trying something different is worth, uh, you know, is worth continuing, you know, just constantly doing, they say doing the same thing over again and getting the same, um, 
results, but expecting something different is uh, along the lines of insanity. And in your case, you're you're taking steps to uh, do something different, although you're 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 not yet seeing the trade off. But you may you know it's it's quite possible, or dare I say, likely um, that it that it could happen if you continue to try new things. Mm-hmm. Put yourself out there. Yeah, um, maybe something will change, but doesn't look very likely. So what is the difference between being an incel and being a late bloomer? I think late bloomers are people who just don't understand themselves very well until, and they're just maybe not interested in these things until a later age. Mm -hmm. Um, And then being an incel is you are interested in being in a relationship, but you just cannot because of your physical barriers. So uh, the, the difference being, the main difference being, so the late bloomer would be, you're just not interested in a relationship or pursuing girls or women until a later stage in your life. Right. Um, because you're just not interested, not because of your looks or anything like that. Well, I mean, I can only imagine this dilemma mm-hmm. attack. It, it sounds, uh, it sounds frustrating and, um, you know, I, I have hope for you, mm-hmm. but I, uh, I hear a lot of, uh, well, I hear some paradoxes and things that I'm, um, you know, that we've talked about in this conversation. So I, uh, I wonder what the future has in store for you. What do you plan? What are you planning for yourself? What are you looking forward to? I just, I mean, I really just enjoy making money and I want to make a lot more than what I make now. So that's my only priority in life. And it's what it's like this game that I enjoy playing. Um, and that excites me every day. The other game of relationships, this point, it just, I don't think it'll, there'll be any, it'll, it'll work out, but I mean, we'll see you still have a long time to go. Yeah. I mean, you got your whole, today's the first day of the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. I, I hear you loud and clear. I mean, this game that you've played and you've done well with uh, in, in terms of money um, makes me wonder what it would look like if you just spent a fraction of the resources that you've spent in terms of time and energy and focus on making money, what it would look like to start, you know, focusing your energy on building a skill set around being intimate and uh, finding romance. Yeah, maybe in a in a parallel universe I'm in multiple relationships, who knows. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's a possibility too. I like that optimism. Yeah. Perception uh, in my view, perception is projection and um, even, you know, that perspective is one that lends itself to a positive outcome on your end as opposed to a lonely one at the upper echelons of the economic system Hmm. well i'm uh, i'm i'm just fascinated by all of this and i'm going to be reaching out to i've got a few other folks who are uh, keen on coming on and speaking about their experience with inseldom different uh Different folks all come with different worldviews, and I spoke with another fella about looks maxing in a, in a prior episode, and and yours is is related but more focused on race. Yeah. What what um what do you think would be an interesting avenue for me to to move forward on? Who would you like to hear from? I think having a group discussion would be would be really interesting. Right. Yeah. A couple of a couple of people to bounce different ideas off of. Yeah. Exactly. I think that would be the best. Like incels from different, uh, slightly pa- different para- uh, paradigms where they mm-hmm. don't necessarily agree on. Yeah, this is this is an interesting idea. Yeah, I'm glad you, yeah. you mentioned that. 
Yeah. Right on. Well, I, uh, I'm mindful of your time and I'm thinking, you know, there isn't a whole lot more to say since we are uh, essentially at a certain point agreeing to disagree. Um, What more, uh, you know, I want to give you the last word. Is there anything else you think is important to know uh, about you? Is there any advice that you would give to folks that have been in your situation or that are, um, you know, thinking themselves as incels, anything you want? To plug, I guess Patek is probably a pseudonym, and you want to remain somewhat anonymous. Yeah, um, I, I think that at the end of the day, uh, people should do what makes them happy. I mean, the reason incels exist is because they want to be happy, and relationships are stopping them from being happy. Um, so, I mean, there's different. I mean, life, in life. There's different things that will make you happy at different stages of your life. So I think just exploring your own curiosities and finding things outside of being so fixated on relationships and girls, um, I think that's a healthy thing to do. I mean, I'm sure that there will be a time in everyone's life or most people's lives where they'll find a relationship, but you shouldn't get so caught up and fixated on that. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm thankful for you coming on here, Patek. And I think that it took a certain amount of courage. And I think that you're um, maybe testing, you, perhaps you don't even realize it, but you're maybe testing some of these beliefs or at least challenging yourself by trying things that you've never done before, like uh, being being vulnerable and telling your story uh, to the masses via this podcast. Yeah. Definitely. I think it's been helpful for me. Thank you for having me on. 